Good morning, Jordan Bruno. Hey, Bobby Flood. How are you? <laughs> how, are my, how are my levels this time? I think you're all right. Okay, good. I will speak freely, but not <laughs> too freely. Like I just said, I think there are a bunch of people out there that would have paid good money to hear what we were just talking about the last 45 minutes. Yeah, I bet there's a lot of people out there interested in uh, the finer points of World of Warcraft. <laughs> Is that what you said? <laughs> you said you thought there were good people that would have gone out and... Uh, what did you say? Pay, they would have told people what we were talking about for good money. For good money. That's why we're using stage names, so we can speak a little more freely. <laughs> Uh, is that why? <laughs> I think so. The problem is we've told too many people what our stage names are offline. Yeah, people people do know who we are. If you don't, that's well, good. That, don't, oh, well, too bad. You do know. I'm Bobby Flood, and that's Jordan, I'm Jordan Bruno. That's right, and we're the Mind Virus Podcast. Find us on the web at mindvirus.show. Indeed. Today is uh, November... It's Monday, November 7th, 2022. Today is Sam Hain. Right. It's the cross quarter between the fall, the autumnal equinox, and the winter solstice. And in the Celtic world, you would consider this the start of winter. And tonight, or in the wee hours, there will be a lunar eclipse oh you know what that's interesting we were talking about that a little bit in conjunction with the election tomorrow yeah ushering in election day but i had not factored in the data point that it's actually the cross quarter today it means it means nothing guys the cosmos the universe the heavens the signs in the heavens do not they don't mean anything do not look at the man behind the curtain do not look up don't try to make any unapproved assertions about what is going on <laughs> you know we were told from a this little surprising source about the remember when the that we had the christmas star are you gonna go there well i'm just saying remember the christmas star was sure that, i was remember that, that but are you gonna divulge your your quote source on this no i just the readers the listeners can, look can go it look it up somebody said that wasn't anything but uh yeah someone said don't don't think that that means anything at all. Yeah. Don't don't believe your eyes. All hell is not breaking loose around you. <laughs> Things are just fine. I think there's a there's a quote, there's a paraphrase of that in Second Nephi chapter twenty eight where he says, All is well in Zion. If you quote that out of context, just say Nephi said all is well in Zion. Yeah, all is all is well in Zion. All is well. You can say that, right? It's in the scriptures. Yeah. We just, we just take that little snippet and cut it out, and that's <laughs> what Nephi said. All is well in Zion. Well, here we are. Yes, it's uh, election eve. The midterm elections that I once predicted may not happen. 
but I think they're going to happen. You think they're going to happen? I find it also interesting. I don't know if remember. I don't remember if we talked about this last week or not, but the we might have touched on it. But the state of Utah is really spending a lot of money telling us that these elections are safe and secure. And uh, we have to mention this. I don't know if we want to spend too much time, but we have to mention this amazing Politico article that is published today. <laughs> Let me just read the tweet, and then, and then on the tweet, they, le- they link to the article, but it says, The 2020 presidential election was rife with allegations of voting machine hacks that were later debunked. Yet, there are real risk that hackers could tunnel into voting equipment and other election infrastructure to try to undermine Tuesday's vote. <laughs> okay, so hold on a second. <laughs> They are safe or they're not? <laughs> or they were, but now they're it not? It depends something on... Happen, something happened between... It depends on who wins. So they, what they did is they made them less secure? Well, those hackers, they got smarter over the last two years. Because they were safe and secure the the, the voting machine companies have placed new backdoors, new additional backdoors for the hackers. What I'm not understanding. Let me, I'll put it this way. Okay. Let, me, let me spell it out. Really simple terms. If they win, they're secure. If Who's they, they they lose, the state apparatchiks, the the communists, the statists, the, the statists. Because I'm not even going to break this down in Republican versus Democrat because there are certain candidates that, regardless of their party, are favored by the state. The statists. Right. These are the malleable types, the guys that'll go along to get along, guys like Mitt Romney, who runs as a Republican, but is just a statist, a big government statist who never saw war or spending or tax plan that he didn't like. So as long as the right candidates win, then the elections are secure. If the wrong candidate wins, then there's probably the election was was hacked. And we saw that in 2016, right? When Trump won. The Russians interfered. That was a stolen election. Fox News is reporting, if you scroll down just a little bit under a world headline, Putin chef, C-H-E-F. It doesn't say chief. I want to read chief. It says Putin's chef reportedly claims to have interfered in U.S. elections. <laughs> the chef now, huh? Well, it's just the headline. I don't know if I want to click on this and read it, but it's, it's got a picture of Putin holding a champagne glass. But his chef is interfering. What does that mean? That he he uh, came over and shouted at a woman as she put her ballot in the ballot box? I mean, how, what does interfere mean? It doesn't mean anything. Technically, could, could Fox News be correct or, the, or say the New York Times with their breathless revelations that someone interfered in that, uh, you know, maybe a, a Russian fired off an email to a relative saying, go vote. And yeah, that, yeah, they yeah. interfered in the election. I mean, what is interference? What, is, what constitutes truth in and reporting today? Interference could mean anything and everything and nothing at all because it's one of those ambiguous terms. It's like, it's like climate change. It could be anything. So, Putin's, Putin's chef. We have interfered. Are, in, are interfering. And 
will continue to interfere. Mm-hmm. See, it's it's incredible. Like it's always just Russia, 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 Russia. I guess this they're trying to did when they're trying to uh, assert that we should all know that Putin's chef is an, a nickname given to an entrepreneur over there. When Mark Zuckerberg spent what was it some absurd ungodly amount, of amount in the Georgia like 300 million dollars elections was he interfering the the 2000 mules documentary revealed that or brought light on the fact that uh, the facebook meta group had put like 300 million dollars into uh putting uh, the ballot boxes out and and harvesting ballots setting up the apparatus for the 2020 election yeah the senate election well, not just that, but the in Georgia, right? But not just the, the that, but also the uh, presidential election. They were responsible for a lot of the a lot of the additional ballot boxes because remember they had ballot drop boxes. They were already full when they when set they delivered them. Out. them. <laughs> <laughs> Conveniently, pre-voted ballots. Well, yeah, that's where we are today, Monday, November seventh. Election Eve, and we're being told that so much is at stake. And I think we're told that every election. <laughs> and I'm starting to think that not that much is at stake from these elections. But there is a lot of at, uh, things at stake, namely our, our freedoms and our liberties and our <laughs> religion. There's a there's a there's a there's a thing that some of you might be familiar with. I'm trying to remember now. It's uh, something like it goes something like, in memory of our God, our families, our freedom. Uh, yeah. If you mention the title of liberty, oh, that's you, it. That's it. You are not allowed to talk in Utah. You know, you're not allowed to be taken seriously in Utah politics if you mention the title of liberty. That's just not acceptable. Well, it's extremist. It's far right. Well, it's just absurd. It's Mormonism. It's 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 amateurish craziness. I don't know why. It, it appears to be the type of thing that you just get laughed off the stage for bringing up. Well, yeah. I mean, can't bring up God and religion and families and liberty. Yeah. What is our religion? <laughs> Let me read you something. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see, sorry, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. That's the proper English pronunciation there. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. I'm wanting to add only those who are allowed, you know, the ones that are in the appropriate positions of power are the ones that are going to do that. But anyway, <laughs> and on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
What do you make of that? Just thought we ought to read that since there's a blood moon tonight. <clears throat> a blood moon eclipse. Right. That's weird. Well, this is from a... Uh, it appears to be sort of a new agey website. I, this was a result of a search. It says, uh, a lunar eclipse can be an extremely powerful time for cleansing our emotional waters and setting <laughs> okay. an intention for renewal and rejuvenation in the coming months. Because the energetic cycles of the lunar eclipse tend to extend through the period of the next three months after its event. In a lunar eclipse, the Earth momentarily blocks the illumination from the sun that creates a full moon, resetting the current emotional cycle and allowing the shadow to reveal what is hidden in our subconscious or keeping us blocked from seeing more clearly. The spiritual aspects of the moon represent our deep emotional tides, and so when the shadow passes over the moon, temporarily ceasing the illumination of our emotional being, there's an opportunity to reveal and transform our current emotional state. I guess in the year 2022, there's been four eclipses, two solar and two lunar eclipses. Well, there's, there's one little issue I want to bring up on the Acts chapter 2, verse 20. The sun will be turned into darkness section. The word is metastrophesitai, or metastrepho is the verb, meaning to turn around or to, to change or corrupt, but... Uh, It's it's about changing the direction, so it kind of set it it, it kind of looks like Paul is saying that Peter said the quoting Joel, that's how we do it, right? You quote that guy who quotes scripture, right? Um, he said that uh, the sun will be turned into darkness. That could be language actually talking about an eclipse right there the, the the idea is that the sun will go back go backward into darkness so and 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 the prior verse was talking about showing signs in the heavens and on the earth which but those are all just old now we don't see that nowadays right yeah that only mattered back in the day when we were superstitious right it's not like in the modern world, we kind of, I grew up kind of thinking that there would be like obvious in your face, like asteroids or, or supernovas or whatever, that those were the somehow the signs. But if you really look into the ancient uh, mindset, they, they took a great deal of meaning from the astrological uh the astrological, uh, the astro astronomic, I guess is how we would say it now, the, the phenomenon in the heavens, right? The movement of the bodies, the constellations, the, um, the planets, etc. They told a story, and if you understood how, uh, the language of the story, you could foretell or understand the, the times and the signs of the times. It wasn't as obvious as, say, a supernova. So if, we, if we're getting back to the original intent of the people who wrote this, that's what they were talking about. They would find certain significance in the eclipses and in the uh, shifting of the procession of the equinoxes or the movements of the, the planets, the heavens, the, the alignments. 
and the meaning of the or, or the energy they attributed to the planets and the constellations, especially the zodiac. Well, I think I, I guess I, I I would say yeah, this is the zodiac played a huge role, but also the other the other constellations, especially those in the north, played a big role. So, is it possible we are blind or we are uh, ignorant in the modern world to no? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll stop being serious. <laughs> No, continue. Finish your thought. Well, no, that's my thought. It's like, okay, so it says the moon or the sun is going to go back into darkness and the moon turned to blood. What, what does that mean? I think, you know, we've got to dig a little deeper. That means something. Yeah, I mean, we have, like, eclipses aren't totally that rare, right? Well, the big, the big thing I want to point to, yeah, throughout history, but one that crosses the planet or one, one that, sorry, an eclipse pattern that over seven or 6.67 years, 6.66 years crosses the United States. We had the first one in 2017 and then this next one's coming up in 2024. And I've already brought that up on the podcast that I think that the, the occult element of the oligarchy believes that this is an auspicious time to take over America because of that, because the eclipses are a bad omen for America. But it doesn't mean that they're going to succeed. It just well, it just means they might make something out of that. They're obviously trying. It means they take, I think they take some meaning from it, but I haven't got any evidence to back up who or, or what or anybody really talking about that. You know, I, I, that's definitely just a, I think there's a evidence. shot in the dark. I think there's evidence well, the, in the way they speak in public. And who's they? Well, the, 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 global. the, moneyed, the globalists. Yeah, the moneyed globalists, the heads of... Big companies, people who control banks. I mean, they, they, you know, I learned something the other day. We've talked about event 201 before, right? The, the war game scenario for a, for the coronavirus, for a <coughs> surprise pandemic. They, um, there's some better evidence that they knew exactly what they were doing when they war gamed event 201. But event 201, the, they derive the name from this idea that there are 200 events globally and that this, this really bad pandemic will be event 201. Like there's 200 year, you know, annually or whatever, there's 200 health events and crises and things like that. And that this event 201 is going to be especially bad. What, what are you saying? They plan... They plan um, 200 events every year? That just there are 200 events. I don't, I, they didn't elaborate. It was like a throwaway quote. Like, every year there are 200 events that threaten our well-being or something. Whether it's outbreaks, not necessarily pandemics. This, was this, are you quoting somebody? Let, uh, me, let me find it. Let, yeah. me, let me find it so we can get right down to it. Yeah, the question is, uh, one of the questions is how much of it's planned. One, one of the questions is what occult or esoteric or religious type of a philosophy are these people following? Because they appear to be following something. It's very, it's very clear that we're not in Kansas anymore. I mean, that's the part I think we can all take to the bank. The world has dramatically changed. 
And I think there's a little bit of an eye of the storm feeling or a, or a euphoric feeling here that somehow we're going to rectify the situation because the American Congress is going to shift back to a more conservative stance. I would ask Bobby if he agreed, but he's not paying attention to what I'm saying because he's looking that up. But do you, you know what I'm saying? Do you, do you think that uh, th- there's a little false security out there because people have this feeling that it's going to shift shift Republican and that's going to help fix the situation? Yeah, that's the that's the rug pull. That's the you know. And then we get the rug we're, pull. We're going to get the we're going to get the. The, the, the right guy and we're going to make all this right. I mean, that's the buzz right now is that there's going to be this big red wave. Well, there's your false savior right there. Right. Big, you know. There's going to be a big red wave tomorrow and then we're going to vote out all the guys who force kids to wear masks and to guys who shut us down and try to force the vaccine on us. And yeah, that's a good exercise. We should get rid of those people. But we got to remember too that a lot of the people that were most influential in that aren't on the ballot you know the 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 public health weirdos are not on the ballot tomorrow right they're lifetime bureaucrats right. they fauci is not on the ballot dr scarf lady burks is not on the ballot yeah it's amazing how resilient fauci is relative to his job like and i also think that just voting some of these people out is hardly accountability like we we need some hard accountability. You no, know, they're they're out there asking for a pandemic amnesty. I don't remember if we talked about that, but now they want amnesty, saying, "Well, we 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 made mistakes, but they were ignorant mistakes. We were all all of us were in the dark. No, all of us weren't. Some of us <laughs> some of us were speaking out against this stuff from the very beginning. Well, when they ostracized the people who had a different opinion, that demonstrates that they're actually culpable. It demonstrates the malevolence. Some of us even started a podcast just so we would have somewhere to yell and scream about all of this madness. Right, right. But there's yet to be, there's, there is yet to be a shred of accountability for any of the people that were the, you know, the worst offenders. And so I think tomorrow, if there is this big red wave, a lot of people are going to say we did it. We held them accountable. We, you know, we fixed the world. And then meanwhile, everything continues to go in the direction that it's been going, which is centralization, depersonalization, uh, the eroding of our personal and our, uh, you know, state sovereignty, meaning the states themselves, right. Are less the United States. Are less and less right. The independent. Ba- the balkanization right. of the United States could potentially be on the table, also. And we're but, at the we're at the point where you could almost abolish state governments. Because federal government is so powerful and so heavy-handed, and I think that there's a certain people who would love that. I'm almost found this. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the the book of Revelation has been on my mind lately, also. I think I've mentioned that I feel like it's a misunderstanding to look at Revelation as if it's a, a chronology or a timeline of events that we can easily put our finger on. You know, like we could say, oh, Revelation chapter 9's five-month war is talking about the Gulf War in 1990 or there's going to be a 13-month war something somewhere out there. I think that's a little bit of a... An erroneous way to look at it. I 
think you need to look at it in a cyclical fashion as if these are things that occur in patterns and um, describe conditions generally here in the fallen world. And perhaps much of the conflict could be occurring in the heavens also. It could be describing the war between the gods or the, or the uh, casting out of Satan and the angels and then the, the war. Here's a little tidbit that maybe some of you will find interesting. The, the, the war uh, at the end, Armageddon or Gog and Magog, whatever, whatever that is, my understanding is that occurs outside of this time space. It's, the, it's a cosmic war that describes the destruction of the wicked at the end, not necessarily a war that's going to occur in the Holy Land between Israel and meaning the nation of Israel. Remember, the nation of Israel is kind of an artificial construct. First of all, Israel has 12 houses, right? And the Jews were scattered from heck to breakfast, as they say, all over the world, even well before the Lord came, right? It wasn't just, uh, it, it wasn't just the, um, <laughs> the calamities that they suffered after Christ was crucified. It was... You know, the destruction of Jerusalem definitely, I don't know if you'd say it started because the, the, I'm not say, I'm not sure you'd say it started in 587 when, when, uh, Jerusalem was invaded by the Babylonians, but it was, uh, certainly well underway because our society had been disintegrating for many hundreds of years since, uh, the sons of Solomon were fighting with each other. So to say that Israel represents, meaning the nation of Israel represents the house of Israel in its entirety, I think is, is somewhat short-sighted because, you know, you've got 12 other, or sorry, 11 other tribes, 10, 10 tribes that are commonly thought to be lost. And Israel is the house, you know, who really belongs to the house of Israel is not a cut and dried issue in my opinion. So Gog and Magog and Armageddon and this, this occurring the way a lot of people have postulated that it will occur there. You know, there's, there's a lot of speculation about what is Israel doing and, and um, you need to be looking for, for these armies to encircle them. Seems like they're holding their own pretty well, you know. And the United States is uh, doing a good job destabilizing the, the nations around them so they can't get a foothold. It, you know, it could be that, that if you're looking for that, that you're going to be missing the boat because it's happening already. could happen sooner is what I'm saying. Things, things could get weird really fast. And, and the, the way we perceive those prophecies Weirder. playing out more weird right right but we there if you if you read the apocalyptic literature which in the definition i'm using for apocalyptic there is end times literature mm -hmm. which is unfortunate because apocalypse simply means unveiling it doesn't mean end times and destruction it means revelation that's why in english the book is called revelation okay because that's the translation of the word apocalypse out of the greek it's the revelation of jesus christ where john sees the heavens and, and the Lord reveals himself to him. And then he shows him 
things that are happening in the totality of our existence, which includes the war in heaven, it includes the conditions on this earth, and it includes the end times wrapping up scene. So I'm just saying a lot there there's a there's sort of a a big picture broad brush strokes. I'm not saying everybody agrees, but there's there are some there are some basic ideas that permeate Christianity and that includes Mormon Christianity about what it's going to look like at the end and I don't think the book of Revelation says that at all and, and a lot of people may be looking for those things waiting and, and banking on certain things and then it may not that it may be way worse than what they think based on the timeline they've got conjectured in their own mind does that make sense Bobby Flood or not I'm not I'm not sure I'm making any sense here you you went quiet and uh well, I was uh, I was finding this reference, but I think it makes sense. Did you find it? Yeah. So this comes from uh, a journalist named Jordan Shocktel. Hope I said that right. You're gonna save that so we can post this, right? Yeah. He writes at a, a Substack called Dossier. D- the Dossier. Dossier. Substack. The French would say Dossier. Well, Jordan has been a the other Jordan, not Jordan Bruno. Shocktel? Jordan Shocktale? Shocktale. He, he's been really good. How do you spell Shocktel? Uh, S-C-H-A-C-H-T-E-L. Oh, okay. And he's been, he's been, he's been great during all of this pandemic weirdness, but he's, he's found some audio, and he links to the audio, but we're not going to play the audio because it's an hour long, but... This is now I'm quoting him. He says, before we get to the clip, here's some background. On January 23rd, 2019, that's part of the before times. January 23rd, 2019, Tom Inglesby, the director of the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, announced the plan for Event 201 in partnership with the Gates Foundation and the World Economic Forum. His organization would later host the event in New York City just weeks before the pandemic broke out. Inglesby, for his part, would later become a senior advisor in the Biden White House. He tweeted out the announcement after he delivered his remarks, his remarks at the Davos World Economic Forum conference. I added that because he says it earlier. Anyway. Okay. So this the, was in early 2019. Yep. Yeah. As the dossier, dossier has reported, the first person to retweet the announcement was Ron Klain, who would later become the Biden White House chief of staff. Inglesby made the Event 201 announcement during a panel on acting against a risk that business cannot ignore, which took place in the SDG short for UN Sustainable Development Goals tent at Davos 2019. The panel was sponsored by UPS and Johnson & Johnson. It featured top executives at J&J and Merck, the executive director of the Bill Gates Controlled Global Fund and the president of the UPS Foundation. And then he says, uh, the dossier has transcribed some of the audio from Inglesby's announcement highlighting an upcoming event, in quotes, which is available in full below. So if you want to listen to the whole audio clip, it's, it, he links to it. Here are some of the interesting quotes, and this is where I was trying to paraphrase. He says, this is Inglesby. He's quoting this Inglesby fellow. 
Now imagine that in the coming year, with 200 epidemic events already straining resources around the world, we have an event 201. Event 201. But this event is the severe pandemic that we've all been preparing for and working to avoid and mitigate. And he goes on from there. So he's saying there are 200 epidemics around the, the globe annually and that one more tips the scales into pandemonium. The one that we've all been preparing for. Oh, and working to avoid and mitigate. <laughs> the one we've all been preparing preparing right for and what right. did i say that so he says this is another quote and i need to look up the audio of this because i'd like to hear the pause and the tone but he says the exercise this again is inglesby being quoted the exercise will be called event 201 in honor of the uh Potential pandemic. Did you say uh? Yes, that's in the It's quote. in the quote, uh? It will involve global business leaders, officials from national governments, <laughs> and international organizations. It has even led to the development of new vaccines and the stockpiling of vaccines and major legislation has resulted. Wait a minute, this is before. This is a year before. Yeah. The stockpiling of new vaccines. This is January 2019. New legislation. Bill Gates has emphasized over and over again in his public announcements how important it is to have security aligned with national government and public health in a pandemic event like this. It has even led to the development of new vaccines and the stockpiling of vaccines and major legislation has resulted. I'd be curious to know which legislation he's referring to. And which vaccines were stockpiled. Because maybe, just maybe, the story that they created these vaccines, ex nihilo, <laughs> out of nothing, and in record time, maybe that story isn't exactly. Creation ex nihilo. I'm starting true. to wear off on Bobby. <laughs> they snapped their fingers and bam, mRNA technology came on the scene. Really good point. That's a that's a great find there. How how did you run across that? Uh, I follow Jordan on the on the Twitter Substack. No Twitter, and he links to his Substack, and he he's been a he's been a really good solid source of uh, uh, good journalism during all of this. So if you if you're interested, you can follow you can find him at Twitter. I think it's um, let's see, we can link to his Twitter handle, but it's um, you're gonna you're gonna send me a link to this article and we'll post that. Yeah, and like I said, his his website is a Substack. It's dossier.substack.com. His Twitter handle is just at Jordan Shaktel, just like his name. Well, I'll I'll put some links up. <clears throat> anyway, you know we all, you guys all know that we already believe that it was a pandemic. <laughs> this is just evidence, further evidence to support right. to support the secret uh, we've, wranglings. We've talked about event 201 and the in the the scenarios they play out about suppressing free speech and combating misinformation and having to shut down the internet. We we speculated mm -hmm. that there could be an internet shutdown. That's still always always on the table. Right. The lockdowns, the the business closures you know, it's funny that they, in, in his announcement and things, he's talking about, oh, this is something that businesses can't ignore. We must, you know, there's, he says, event, this was the tweet from Tom, Tom Inglesby, event 201 will shine light on need for pub health 
global business, science, finance, security, and political leadership to be fully engaged, plus working for common purposes to meet challenges of new pandemic. Business will need gov, and gov will need business. I mean, that, that's January 23rd, 2019. This all played out exactly like they prepared. So do you think that they, they plan like... Um Ro- ro- they do the role playing scenarios the the preparation scenarios the uh, what do we call those the training exercises at the same time as the crisis so that they can just run off all the legitimate um people and and convince them that there's no no real emergency so that nobody gets close to the ground zero so to speak that shouldn't maybe like I, I don't know how that applies to 201, but you can see how it would apply to 9-11. I, I, I think one of the things that they, they maybe do or did with the event 201 was that it wasn't a training scenario. It was a... It was a run-through. It was, this is, it was what a walk-through. We, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, it was, a, it was a walk-through. It was, a, it was sort of a, a dry run. It was a dress rehearsal. Yeah. Dress and, rehearsal is a good word. Again, there's certain things that I think we've forgotten about those early days of the pandemic, the plandemic, uh, especially once, once the, you know, they had the, what I kind of refer to as like the weekend from hell in mid-March, like around March 11th, 12th, 13th, right around there where everything just collapsed, right? Remember Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz at the time, he's now the Minnesota Timberwolves, but mm-hmm. I think, remember when he, uh, mocked it licked the microphone yeah and he was like you know touching the microphone in the press conference and And then they gave him covid right away like you you have a positive covid test here rudy gobert and what happened after that boom the entire nba shut down and once i think i've told you this i don't know if i've mentioned on the podcast well by the way by the way today's episode 100 Oh man, we should have prepared better. <laughs> that's in, that's significant. We better make this good. I'm going to try harder. <laughs> but as soon as they shut down sports, I knew that this was serious. Because it was kind of like, oh, you know, there was a lot of fearful rhetoric on the news, but you're kind of used to that, right? Oh, there's a breakout. This COVID-19, this yeah. SARS-CoV-2. Novel coronavirus. So what you're saying is when they shut down the sporting events, you knew that they wanted to get everybody's attention. Right, because those sporting events, the NBA... And they did that first. The, yeah, they did that. If I remember right, the NBA was the first thing to sort of shut down. Well, it was headed to playoff season, right? It wasn't quite to playoff they season They weren't yet. quite there, but the... The March Madness the, tournament March was Madness coming up was canceled and that's when it's like holy crap because that's big money the nba is big money march madness is the only way that college basketball makes money from tv like that's that was huge and it was like okay they they want to get our attention and they got it because remember after that after everything live shut down it was just 24 7 covid 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 on the news and we saw all the clips from Italy of people dying and the people dying in the streets in China, which is probably totally fake. And we were led to believe that Italy was collapsing, that just there were bodies in the streets mm-hmm. in Italy. Right. We know now that that 
was highly exaggerated. We know now that some of the hospital crisis footage that was supposed to be in Italy was also used to portray New York City. Right, we know they were recycling news stories. New York City was led, we were led to believe that New York City was collapsing and that there were just bodies lining the streets. And I remember back then there were people, see, this is where these smartphones are are a two-edged sword, right? Because they deliver the propaganda right to our hands, but they have cameras and they're connected to the internet. So curious people went to these hospitals in Brooklyn and and you know different parts of New York City that were supposedly just overrun, and they're filming with their smartphones. They're streaming live, and they walk in and they're empty. I remember one clip. I I'll never be able to find it, but a guy's walking in, going, "Where's all the?" He's he's asking the receptionist, "Where's all the bodies? What's going on here?" And she's like, "You need to leave." Mm-hmm. He's like, "Where? Why are we locked down? What? What? You're lying to us. What's going on here? There's nobody here. Why? Where's all the dead people? Where's all the sick people?" And she's like, "You need to get out of here." <laughs> and very quickly, the right there was all these cracks in the in the in the narrative in the narrative. Yeah, but they just kept pounding us and pounding us and pounding us with all of this, and and then the masks came later and. I don't want to get sucked into like a recap of all this, but I think well, it's I think a, recapping the big, big. But, but uh, you asked evidences and the and the big events is is important to remember where we've been because amnesty, right? Right. They well, now, but you asked, you know, do these people really believe in this kind of thing, like with the occult and what is? Oh yeah, but that, that would mean that they planned this. Yeah, they absolutely believe in it. I think they're very spiritual or religious people. It's just that their religion happens to be one that its core tenet, its core doctrine is the destruction of the human race. Because, And they'll couch that. They may wrap that up in a, in a pretty looking bow. Well, it's Liam called, Neeson playing Raz al Ghul in Batman Begins where he explains to him the, the League of Shadows objectives and their rationale. Look, you can look at, you can go back through history. Let's just go back a hundred years and you have several, several, I call them Malthusians. You have several people. That's the Malthus doctrine that there are too many people on the earth. You have several people, right, in public, not some secretive thing, not some transcription from an uncle who happened to be the custodian at a secret meeting. No, these are public statements where they're saying there's too many people on the earth. We need to we need to have fewer people on the earth. Right. When you Bill, look at the policy meetings, it's Bill Gates. It's there. Bill Gates, I think he's quoted in the same article. Let me see if I can find the paragraph. Bill Gates famously said right before the pandemic that we, if we can if he he said uh if we can I'm paraphrasing because I can't find it. If we can get going with public health and with the right kind of vaccines, we can lower the number of people on the planet by 10 to 20%. Basically right, he literally he said. said that. Yeah. Was it a it, TED Talk It was or like something? a TED Talk, yeah. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. We need to kill off yeah. most of could, you. Could 20% of you take this poison pill? Right. And so these guys believe that they're true believers and that's what's dangerous these are true believers in this idea that they are divinely appointed they're god kings and that the earth is overpopulated and not just overpopulated but overpopulated with with scum we're just pond scum to them right dirty eaters 
And useless eaters. If we can just get rid of a lot of that, then we can rule and reign in a paradise on this earth with the just the elite, the best people, the best and brightest. And we'll keep a few of you because well, someone's got to keep a, a fairly sizable well, herd. So, somebody's got to grow the crops. It's like what Nancy Pelosi said, referring to immigrants in Florida, like who's gonna who's who's gonna grow the f- crops? Well, you see kind of two seemingly contradictory ideas here. I've pointed out that I think they look at humanity as the greatest resource on the planet. For them. For them. That's the thing is, just because they look at humanity as a resource doesn't mean they want humanity to uh, grow organically, to to advance in any independent way. They, They would look at it like a farmer looks at a herd of sheep, you know? I'm going to keep this many to procreate, and I'm sending the rest off to slaughter. Right, right. That's You're eating too much grass. We can only have this many over in this field, and we've got to send this much off to slaughter. And, you know, when you have the babies, we need to take a bunch of them over here and do X, Y, Z with them because, you know, you're not capable of producing milk enough for these babies. So Yeah, the last thing that they want for us is for us to thrive and be independent and happy and not be completely reliant on them. This is just, it's just a basic God complex. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not difficult or complex psychology here. They just want to rule and reign with blood and horror on this earth. I mean, it's, we you know see, who yeah, their you, God is. Right. You use you, those same words. Treating us like we're a herd of animals. I mean, that's, when you look at the Georgia Guidestones, that's the language. Maintain humanity in da 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 da. So who's going to maintain it? Who gets to decide? Who right. gets to well, do they, the maintenance? They do because they've appointed themselves as the, the, the shepherds uh, of humanity. And I think that that's a significant thing because in the way they may not use the word shepherd but we know the analogy and the symbolism of good shepherd and right they're not the type that would go after the the one right they're the one that they're the type that would actually well they would say a hundred sheep is a little much here we gotta yeah uh, well i need to make raise some capital i'm gonna sell off half of them and i'm gonna uh, butcher about 25 percent of them keep the rest as breeding stock i mean that's that's really how these people are looking at it. You'll and own nothing and you'll be happy. The, the Georgia Guidestones had put, people were really alarmed at it because they talked about maintaining humanity at around 500 million people, right? Yeah. And that's a significant reduction in the, in the population of well, that's, the that, world. That's like the population of the US, Canada, and maybe part of Mexico. Like, right. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they're technically going to get it down to 500 million what you need to get in your head is the idea that they think you are cattle you're expendable like we have according to their desires seven plus billion people on the on the planet today and uh in their minds that's way too many and it's causing all kinds of destruction and climate change and these are all vehicles they use right hunger and starvation and disease and climate change those are just fronts for this idea that no, we just need to cull you because right. you're dirty, use, useless eaters. And our vision is a, a world that we run 
with right. just people like us. They're they're the Morlocks and we're the Eloy. Right. That's already happened. The documentary book, The Time Machine, has already happened. Well, and you see, there's there's some great fiction out there that kind of plays on this idea from Hunger Games in 1984 and Blade Runner, I think, kind of portrays that sort of society. I mean, it's this there's there'll be them and then then there'll be all of the slaves basically building their pyramids right it's like alex jones says act like you want to live or they're gonna kill you <laughs> act like you're gonna live or act like you want to live or else they're gonna kill you and and so how does that all fit in with this well you've got a bad omen tonight right you've got a, a lunar eclipse and a blood moon that's a bad omen what are what is the omen or the sign or the symbol what is it symbol symbolizing what is it symbolic of yeah you've had you're right we've had a lot of these lunar eclipses they're far more common and you know but so so are bad things <laughs> become well, are we, are, do we just on have, a wide scale do we just have more of a do, do we just have more of a sense of what's going on because of all the media, because we're so connected to information right now, I would argue that it's not just that. I, I think Definitely. that I think that we can look at the freedoms we've lost and look at the the uh, instability in the world and say that it is right now worse than it ever has been in our in our known yeah I lives. Don't, I don't think there's ever been in in modern history. Right. I don't think there's ever been a worldwide suppression of liberty on this scale. This is this has been remarkable over the last two plus years. And we have and we've had an accompanying explosion of truth that's being clamped down upon with the advent of the internet, you know. I've pointed that out before, I think, but Yeah, the the <laughs> But the years 1999 to 2015 were a big, huge explosion of, of information, at least, truth right. and error. But the possibilities were, were incredible. And Google only rose to prominence because it was effective at allowing people to find all that information. And now they've clearly clamped to down. Find they've, clear, they've clearly narrowed the, the results dramatically. It's like I said, I think, last week or recently that Everything needs to have a platform. Every crazy theory, every lie, every whatever, it has to be out there so we can find it and suss it out and just analyze like, it, look at it, bring it the, to light. Uh, you know, Elon Musk uh, now owns Twitter. He's taken it off the stock exchange. It's a private company, mm-hmm. not publicly traded company. I imagine it will be at some point again. But people, uh, all of the, uh, not all, but many of the blue check journalist class he's going to charge him eight bucks now not, yeah he's changed not his 20 bucks tune but they're freaking out and they're not char- what he's charging for is is the verification process right now you can get a blue check mark which all that means is that you are the person that you say you are it doesn't it's kind of been morphed into being like a symbol of importance or credibility like i'm verified well all it was originally was for well-known people, so people who are, if you wanted to follow Michael Jordan on Twitter or LeBron James or, you know, whatever, that you were actually following 
Michael Jordan or LeBron James or whoever controls their Twitter account. Because it's easy just to say, well, I'm LeBron James and have a Twitter account. So they have this verification process and you go through and you provide uh, to internally to Twitter, you provide some ID and some, some identifying documents. All that's changing now is that Bill Gates is going to charge for that process. Elon Musk. What did I say? Bill Gates. Oh, <laughs> that's weird. Elon Musk. Yeah. Bill Gates charges you for other things like open source software. But, um, um, <laughs> but people are losing their minds. And I, I saw one story, I, again, I'll never be able to find it again, but Twitter employees were charging people under the table as much as $15,000 oh, for blue checks. 15, for blue checks. So, really? Yeah. Because it's, you know. If, oh, that's a, that's a good one if you have the source on that. I'll see if I can't find it. But people, so what, what's happened the other day was people started changing their Twitter handle. People who had blue check marks were changing their Twitter display name to Elon Musk and using his profile photo. Oh, yeah? And impersonating him. Now, you could tell if it wasn't him because their at was different, right? Well, oh, okay. like Kathy Griffin, Griffith, uh-huh. that vile comedian. Yeah. She did it. And, and Elon, he just doesn't care, but he just started suspending everybody who did that, which is it's against, against, actually it's against, against their the, rules. It's against the pre-existing TOS, right? To, yeah. Without v- making it very clear that it's parody. Well, the, these people weren't doing that. And so he just suspended all of them. And I think it's hilarious because these are people that were clamoring and cheering for the suspension of other people. Right. So free speech, is the, there's this kind of little battle playing out on, on Twitter around free speech and what free speech actually means. Now, again, I think that we have to be free to say nonsense. And there's, there's restrictions to free speech. I can't threaten to kill you. Or, that's... That is at that point that becomes a threat to you or to you. And sure. as we well, know, any any restrictions you you say need to be lawfully in place provides the lever for further restrictions. Right, but saying oh I don't have confidence that the election was safe and secure is not a threat. Well, I know it's a threat to the people who are cheating. But some people see that as you shouting fire in a crowded theater. Well, I can yell fire in a crowded theater. You can't incite a riot. I can yell fire in a crowded theater if there's a fire. Well, there was no fire. And that phrase... These are not the droids you're looking for. That whole thing has been so warped from the original essay. Uh Uh-huh. The fire in a theater essay has nothing to do with what we've morphed it what was the original essay i'm not aware of the original essay man i i don't remember now if you googled here we are so reliant on google it was written a long time ago like maybe a hundred years ago and so it certainly wasn't part of the argument of the uh, of adopting the first amendment right that right these that's what's funny is that these were thought of as absolute like it was well, we're not going to go through all the reasons why we might need to allow government additional power. This is to restrict the government. Right. Right. And it was, ex- you know, it was, it was explicitly designed, the First Amendment, so that we could point out that our government was corrupt. Right. And could criticize the government, the, the people in government. Let's remember that government is just people. Congress shall make no law. No laws. Well... 
except for all the laws, laws that are okay, right? <laughs> well, they don't have to make laws anymore. We've also there's also documents that have come out that Twitter and other social media companies are just taking orders were under the table from the government. Yeah, they were there's there's been text messages revealed. Elon Musk has shed some light on this stuff, and that's a good thing. I hope he mm-hmm. continues to, but Basically, you have the intelligence community and the government communicating with these companies saying, yeah, we need to, we need to control the narrative. And it's, it seems like every episode for us comes back to the narrative, which, which by the way, we have a short story contest. <laughs> but the narrative. I was going to ask you about the narrative, that. And it shows you the power of storytelling. Right. What was the story being told to us in, in March 2020? Well, it mm-hmm. was, you're all going to die basically, mm-hmm. unless you do these things. Mm-hmm. What's the story? And then, and then, of course, later on, it was, well, you're not going to die if you're protesting the right things. You know, 2020 was a remarkable year. And then, of course, the election and kind of the grand finale was the January 6th setup. So storytelling is important. Everything we do is rooted in storytelling. The stories we tell ourselves stories others tell us stories that people who want to kill us <laughs> tell us or want us to die are telling us yeah, they versus, tell themselves the stories right you give you give a different narrative to your managers versus different narrative to your high-level operatives yeah versus the story of the people that want us to thrive and to live what's yeah. the story they're telling us and are they even allowed to tell it anymore it's getting harder and harder so last week we were wondering um, where the inception of the story contest was. It was episode 95. I did put up a link on the website at mindvirus.show, a page. I saw that. If you want to learn about the story contest, that's all outlined there. And on the last episode, on episode 99, and on this episode, I'll put a link to that, to the rules and the deadline. But uh, before we jump into that, because I do have a question for you. I kind of think that it's possible that the Twitter, the whole Twitter experiment is going to end in Elon Musk, Elon Musk, Elon Musk pushing digital internet IDs like blue. They, they want to, the whole debacle is going to, to spread like a fire causing people to clamor for, uh, a digital ID. I think they really want that. Yeah, they don't want just anybody surfing the net. They don't want you to be anonymous. They want you to have to log in by fingerprint or something to get Bill Gates, online and say anything. Bill Gates and Microsoft has a product. I want to say it's called ID 2020 or something like that. Because <laughs> he, want, he wanted to roll it out in 2020. I, I'm going to look it up right now. But it was basically a digital ID. Um, ID2020.org.org. We need to get digital ID right. This is some some <laughs> NGO, probably funded by yeah yeah partnership with Gavi, Microsoft, Accenture, and they even have conferences. Of course, these these guys do. Well, yeah. definitely in their circles, they talk about the internet of everything. They want that. Uh, godlike omniscient network available to them to control all human interaction. Here's their, uh, this is at id2020.org. This is the founding partners, Accenture, 
Gavi, IDO.org, Microsoft, the Rockefeller Foundation. Are the Rockefellers? Nah, that's a conspiracy theory. General partners, you have a whole bunch of uh, corporations, including MasterCard. Are the Rothschilds in on this? Facebook. The Gettys, the Rothschilds, and Colonel Sanders before he went teats up. Ooh, I hated the Colonel with his wee beady eyes. <laughs> it's a hidden gem. So I married an axe murderer. It's a little risque. So uh, Utah, if you, uh, like us, live in the great state of Utah, led by the venerable Spencer Cox. The formerly great state. The you, great state you, of confusion. The you, great statism state. Utah The is, Me Too state. Is, we want to be California <laughs> too state. We would prefer to be worse than California too. Right. Sorry, we were saying, you were saying uh, something. Utah's one of the forerunners, one of the beta testers for digital driver's license, which is really? a digital ID. And I mean, they'll put it on your phone. It uh, could be on your phone. And they assure us that I want it like will a, be unhackable. I want a card that is like got a Harry Potter picture of me that moves and yeah. leaves its frame every once in a while. This is from the, uh, this is from the ID2020 website. The need for good digital ID is universal. The ability to prove who you are is a fundamental and universal human right. Because we live in a digital era, we need a trusted and reliable way to do that both in the physical world and online. And we will require this for every human interaction except for voting. (laughs) Right. For over a billion individuals worldwide, accessing basic good and services is difficult, if not impossible, due to a lack of recognized identification. With good, and good is in quotes, with good digital identity, individuals could use credentials issued from a variety of different institutions in order to gain access to a variety of different services while preserving privacy and security <laughs> and maintaining control over their information. They're just saying it. Okay, you so, will need this to access certain uh, goods and services. Invert invert everything they said. It, it will not be private. It will only be private. It will be private between you and the oligarchy. It's important for gender equality, a key enabler of global development, critical for targeting services and assistance to those who need them. What's a targeting service? Like a sniper? <laughs> a gateway to economic Target opportunity. ID number twenty seven nine three four eight seven funda- twenty one hundred and sixty. Fundamental and universal human rights. See, we only started issuing IDs recently in human history. I don't think it's a universal human right. I think a universal human right is the right to decline having an id it's like social security right it starts with social security and driver's licenses and things like that licenses this is interesting it's important for gender equality it's a 20th century thing women with an official identity are empowered to play a greater role in household decisions and maintain financial independence furthermore identification can be important defense against child marriage exploitation and trafficking Do you hear that, ladies? If you have an official identity, you can make household decisions. (laughs) But only if you have have the official identity. identity. So right now, since none of you have official identities, you all need to sit down and shut up. And let's not forget the latter part of what you just read. Ladies, do you know if your children are married or not? (laughs) 
because they might be married without your knowledge. Right. If they had right. digital IDs, you could track that. So you might this be is right. An important, uh, uh, this is an important benefit of digital IDs. I think you might be right on this digital ID thing with Twitter. Because the battle, it's an odd thing that the battle over Twitter right now is this battle over identification and verification. Because it's not been that big of a deal in the past. It's been a, maybe there's shenanigans behind the scenes, right? Facebook doesn't seem super worried about it. Snapchat. If you're a celebrity and you want to get verified, there's an easy way to do that. Otherwise, there's no reason. See, and that's why I said there was scope creep. Because it, it became a it was a way for celebrities to say, hey, this is really this is really Leonardo DiCaprio's publicist's intern tweeting this stuff. But then it became a sign of credibility. Like there's no there's no reason for a journalist who works for the Washington Post to have a check mark. Nobody's trying to impersonate him. Well, right, and just y- y- it's. It would, it would be obvious, like you could put it in your bio, but then people could go to the Washington Post website and say, oh yeah, that guy, that guy works for the Washington Post. It, like, it's easily... Well, if, you're, but, I mean, if even you have if, evil intent though, you could uh, start posting as that guy and make him look really bad. You could, you, know? you could, but it's always been against the TOS to do that maliciously. Like they changed their names to Elon Musk, so right. So you could get them, but it happens. In, it it, it happens. It still happens, and it happens in other platforms, like you said, in Facebook. And but do they? Do any of the other platforms have such a similar? Facebook might nowadays. I haven't been on Facebook in about three years. Okay, I quit. I Instagram. quit all social media, and I got sucked back in a little bit to Instagram. And Instagram has it as a check mark. Hmm. So I think I think most of them have taken this on, and I think it started from a reasonable place, but now has become a sign of or a symbol of authority and importance. I thought that the way that you made sure that people knew it was the the real account was you say something like "real the real Donald Trump" or "the real right. Bobby Flood." But people, the could, real Bobby Flood. But people could do that. Without being the real, right? Well, I thought that was just like the thing you do. Right. You start out and you say, the real Alex Jones. or. But it's a strange thing to have this big temper tantrum. Because that's what's happening is all of these self-proclaimed important people are having a temper tantrum over him potentially charging money for it. Oh, yeah. They're even saying stupid things like, this is the unwinding of our democracy somehow. Well, that's this next election will be the end of our democracy (laughs) because the people will vote differently than the democracy wants them to. But people are also pointing out, as Twitter is, uh, you know, Twitter users are known to do, they're pointing out to people like the to people, you know, the people who are throwing temper chasms, they're saying, hey, you know what? Twitter's a private company. can do whatever they want. Right. Because that was what they said when they kicked Donald Trump off and were banning people who said things like, hey, uh, the mRNA vaccines aren't safe and effective. Like Alex Berenson, uh, even yours truly has been suspended multiple times for saying things like, <laughs> hey, the vaccine is not safe and effective. Right. 
But it's Twitter. It's a it's a private company. They can do what they want. <laughs> Did you see Musk has has made news again by telling independent minded voters to vote for Republicans? <laughs> yeah. See, it, and this is all too. It's all too. Uh, it's all too. It seems contrived. Right. Like it's. It reminds me of that that book I've mentioned, the Scott Card Orson Scott Card book, Empire, where this. There's this America is extremely divided on the verge of civil war. And this third way candidate comes in and fixes everything. He's this new AG, pleases everybody, handsome fellow. Like Elon Musk is too much like that guy. He kind of, yeah, it's why did they pick him? Um, or one of our listeners sent me, I'll have to find it, a link to a guy named... Um, Dang. Dang? Dang, that's not his name. Oh. Now I'm drawing a blank on his name. He's a really smart guy. He did a, a report on Elon Musk about how it's strange that he just kind of rose to prominence and it, he, he's like this technocratic wonder boy that per, personality that's been groomed and put in front of us to be some sort of a savior and an example for everybody. Right. Um, the reason I'm drawing a blank is because I've got the name Stephen Colbert in my mind and he did no such thing. He's a comedian talk show host, right? Yeah. It's, Who famously uh, held a dance, a vaccine dance routine on his show. It was disgusting. Right. But no, he's, yeah, he's, but he's probably the same type of manufactured AstroTurf thing. They pick certain people to be certain things. The guy's name is Corbett. That's why I'm having a hard time here. It's the Corbett Report, which I'm typing oh, into Google right James now. James Corbett. James Corbett is kind of a little bit dry, but incredibly intelligent, and he's a little funny. He's kind of funny too, but uh, yeah, he's a very he's he's very very smart, very uh, well organized in the way that he explains. You know all all the the total mass of information right. that he's putting out here. I really like his he has, uh, the way he works. He, he's the guy who kind of made waves when he created his nine eleven in five minutes video, which I don't oh, yeah. know. I don't know if that's still if YouTube still hosts that, but you can find it at his website. But he takes five minutes and he lays out all of the problems with the official nine eleven narrative, it's and a, it's it, just too obvious, right? It, right. That's. Yeah, that's he's he's incredibly smart and just really good at getting right to the crux of the matter. Yeah, I think he's a Canadian who lives in Japan. Yeah, something like that. This uh, I'm just a link to the Corbett report. He's been talking about technocracy, which is a political movement, and um, well, the start to that is digital ID, and the end of it is digital currencies. And I I still stand by. It's when the digital currencies are implemented, it's all over. Well, there will be uh, the society will dramatically shift because there will be a black market that emerges. Oh, yeah. The question we, we is, can, what will be the currency? Well, the currency could be anything. It could be our labor, or you know, you could go back to trade. It could be paper cash that still remains in circulation it, for a while. Could be silver and gold, uh, but uh, could be I, cans I, of tuna. Yeah, it could be. Uh, 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 just the barter system. But something will happen 
and the world will dramatically change and there will there will be an attempt to clamp down on that black market but i don't think they'll be able to do it it's just what, it will the, change human interaction the, the because black, people will find a way to transact the black market will exist for a while but it will i think slowly bleed dry because the goods that we all need will will not be available anymore there'll be leftovers right when this happens like you said a can of tuna you could trade a can of tuna for a can of peaches but when you eat that and it's gone, and you need more, you're stuck in their system because they I will just, control the food. I just see it as creating um, a secondary, uh, a truly two-tiered society because the black market goods and the black market um, commerce will occur in a way that is independent of all the, all the digital systems. So it will, cr- it will create a separate... It will just separate all of that out, and I, I think you'll, yeah, you you won't be, you'll have a primary and a secondary market. You won't be able to buy new cans of tuna um, as easily in the black market, but there will be a massive amount of arbitrage of of people buying it and trading it or or selling it into this black market. I don't think they'll be able to clamp down. It's just human nature that it will it will arise and it will dramatically change how stuff is done because if if a lot of people decide they'd prefer to transact on the black market, then that's where they'll do it. People people are very resistant to bad laws. Like there are a lot of guns in Europe like Germany, there there are plenty of gun laws, but there are plenty of guns out there where people have just disregarded the laws. Right. New Zealand, for example. <clears throat> How many did they did they get turned in? Like five percent of what they estimated, probably by passing the law. So it just it causes it, by by making bad laws, you make outlaws out of good good men and women. That's the problem, and that's why society then disintegrates because there is no law. The everyone knows the law is bad, and so the they will try to humanity will try to work around the power structure. But the question is, how committed is the oligarchy to enforcing it? Because that creates this chaos, this conflict, this these wars. I think that they they will. Um, that's why we're seeing the clampdowns on the supply chains right now, is because they they can get more power by controlling that supply chain, and they want and they do want to force us into uh, central bank digital currencies. And the way that I think they're going to do it is through rationing during war. Uh, w- most of us have really not ever contemplated, and I brought this up before. I, I you know, I, I keep saying I brought certain things up before. I don't think our listeners care too much when we repeat stuff or whatever. I, th- I think it's still relevant and it's important to talk about. And you're not obligated to go back and listen to anything that we've ever said in the past. So, but you are. But it's important to see what happened during the last big war. You know, you couldn't get uh, tires. You couldn't get gasoline. You were limited on what you, you what you could do because the government took full control of uh, the economy, especially the commodities in the economy. And if you don't know what a ration card is, you need to go look into that. You need to try to, um, if you know anyone that lived through that, like a grandparent or a great grandparent, you should be talking to them right now, asking them what was it like to live through World War II. Because I think that's coming, but it will be digitized. That's how they'll get their central bank digital currency is they're going to give you a consumption account. They're going, to, they're going to say, we have a problem that's big enough that we need to take control of oil. We don't have to nationalize the oil industry. We just need to control the sale of it because the, the government needs the oil for the war effort. And so when they get their war... 
<clears throat> when they get their war, they can do all of these shenanigans all at once. And they, they now that they have the internet and the, you know, the, the cell phones and whatnot, that's the obvious way that they'll want to roll out um, the rationing system. And then everybody will become dependent on going through that choke point, that toll booth, that control mechanism for those goods and services. And that's, there's your, the beginning of your, your central bank digital currency. It's your ration card account. Now, I, I get that there's a possibility that if we do end up in a big war, that it will go fast. And, and if China and Russia are serious about um, decapitating, de disabling the United States, they will destroy our communication channels. So this might be something that you see that you don't see in the United States proper. Like we're the main target, in my opinion. We should be really concerned that they're going to knock us um, out because we're the big bully on the block. And we, but you, you you'll probably see these rationing mechanisms occur around the world uh, at the time of that type of an event. But but if you if you really this is one of the evidences that Russia has been fairly um, high-minded in its approach to the to the the border dispute of the Donbass region in Ukraine, is that it took them a long time to go after the infrastructure of Ukraine. Only in the last couple of weeks did they knock out power stations and water for uh, certain parts of Ukraine to really hurt the people there. And, the, and they did that in response or retaliation to terrorist attacks, knocking out bridges and dams and whatnot in uh, Russia. And now it's, it's escalated. Now the Ukrainians went and attacked a, a major dam in Russia and, or in the, in the Donbass region. And so you, you're seeing that, that tit for tat escalating. And um, we, we really are moving in the direction of a more... Um, <laughs> a more real dramatic affecting everybody type of a war because you, I mean, right now we're on the cusp of this, this dark winter for Europe where their energy prices have skyrocketed and people are going to have to make serious decisions about how they, how they, how they actually live. These are the things that, you know, that and food, energy and food and, and warmth, the basics are under attack. They were sort of under attack during COVID, but now they're really under attack for large segments of the world. And this could spread quickly. So anyway, the uh this this should be comforting to all of our listeners this is off that id 2020 website it says okay. we, we are businesses nonprofits, governments and individuals working in collaboration to ensure that the future of digital identity is indeed good id they say it's persistent it lives with you from life to death <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's terrifying. Like I, I've said this so many times. They tell you exactly what they're going to do. And this is an example, right? They want control over who you are. They want control over your identity and what you can do, where you can go, what you can spend it on, what you can spend money on, what you can post online. And so that's id2020.org. Yeah. Wow. Necessary. They even just say this, right? It's necessary to access essential services. Whoa, 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 no, it isn't. Nobody asks for my ID when I go to the grocery store and buy groceries. Right. Nobody asks for Nobody any Nobody asks form for it at ID. the gas station. Nobody asks for it when I get gas. 
Nobody asks for it uh, when I buy go. cigarettes. They ask for it. Not anymore. I'm old. I'm old <laughs> enough. But but uh, right, like it's not. ID is not necessary to access essential services unless you're buying some restricted thing like alcohol or twenty two shells. Yeah, it's not, and it should not be. Right. You should be able to exist anonymously. I can show up, and if I give you legal tender or anything that the retailer's willing to accept, it's the whole basis trade, of commerce in society today. They don't need to know who I am. It's a gateway to economic opportunity. It's critical for targeting services. I still would like to know what that means. Let's see what they're. What that means is it's critical for them to have your ID in order to target you. It says. Uh, Critical for targeting services and assistance to those who need them. Organizations without an accurate system of identification struggle to provide well-coordinated services simply because the number of beneficiaries is unknown and precise. And precise targeting is impossible. Sounds like our listenership numbers. (laughs) We have no idea. That's a good point. So maybe this is actually good. We'll know. We should do an ID for our listeners. (laughs) Check in, send us a note <clears throat> in the comments if you want to ID yourself. <clears throat> I have a feeling most of you are going to choose to remain anonymous. Well, well why, <clears throat> the question is like, like why? Why are they pushing this so hard? Why do they want to get rid of uh, anonymity? Well, I mean, for, I, for control, clearly. Right. You can't have people not listening to them. Well, you, you know, if, again, back to the, to the cattle. Analogy: you, you stamp the, you know, you put the tag in the ear of of your animals, so you keep track of which ones are which. It's funny you. They all look the same. It's funny you mentioned the tag on the ear because they have a service called certification. Through our certification mark, <laughs> we shape the technical landscape to ensure that the digital ID solutions, which are developed and adopted, are user managed, privacy protecting, and interoperable. So, you, so has in January 2019, at the same economic forum in Davos that that other guy announced Event 201, mm-hmm. in January 2019, the Alliance, they call themselves the Alliance, okay. launched the ID2020 certification mark at the World Economic Forum in Davos. ID2020's Technical Advisory Committee made up of leading experts on digital ID and its underlying technologies established a set of functional outcomes-based technical requirements for user-managed, privacy-protecting, and portable digital ID. The resulting certification mark gives direction to companies' product development roadmaps, steering the market towards ethical, inclusive technologies. I have no idea what any of this means. I have it's a, just gobbledygook. I have a, a, an well, idea for have, any political cartoonists out there. You need to do a cartoon where you've got a cow with the tag in their ear and the tag um, has a blue Twitter check mark on it. Right. That'd be a good one. I do have some idea what this means. What it means is that, again, what you keep saying, they're just going to control everything. So you want to get the certification mark, which is capitalized, by the way. Certification mark. Where have we heard something about a mark? <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard that <clears throat> before. Baseless conspiracy theories. And lies. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, before we terminate today's podcast, 
tell us about what your uh, short story is going to look like. This is like a big assignment. 3,000 words is what? How many pages? Double spaced, single spaced? Uh, it doesn't have to be 3,000 words. How, how, Just up to. Up to 3,000 words? It's really not that many once you get going. What, what, estimate. Is it a page, two pages, no, three pages? No, it's probably... Five pages? Five to eight pages. I can't remember. Oh, that might be a lot for some of our listeners. Well, just up to. If you can tell a great short story in 700 words, submit it. Once there was a man who tried to control the world. He made his attempt. The people rebelled, and he was burnt at the stake or strung up, and the end. I mean, that's... That's not a very good story. Uh, I mean, it's it's an interesting um, uh, sort of prompt. Once there was a secret group of people that tried to control the world. They gave the people what they wanted. Bread, circuses, uh, instant gratification, titillating things over a super technological network they called the network. They gained control of the world. The people lived in uh, a hellish squalor mind prison forever and the oligarchs lived happily ever after at the end. I mean, you're taking, you're just kind of taking all the good ideas. <laughs> I'm just trying to give some ideas to the listeners out there. What, what are the ideas? Come on. Well, I, I'm, 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 I'm hoping that it's not just me and you that write a story. What, this is a big assignment. This is like a reverse t-shirt giveaway. Remember mm-hmm. we, mm-hmm. we were able to get, a few comments by giving away a t-shirt. I, the, only, the only prizes we've committed to so far, and I was the only one that committed to these prizes, was first place, good feelings, second place, okay feelings, and third place, feelings on, feelings. The, on the page. Nothing more than feelings. So I'm kind of I'm thinking that uh, we might need to give some motivation here or at least give some charismatic encouragement for the, for the story. Because not only are you asking for 3,000 words or up to 3,000 words, quote unquote, you want this done during the holiday season. Well, yeah. Here, here's a prompt for a short story. This comes right out of the dystopian hellscape. <laughs> this was a link on the ID2020 website to a place called goodhealthpass.org. Good Health Pass? Yeah, the open, inclusive, cross-sector initiative bringing together leading companies and organizations from the technology, health, and travel sectors. Tony Blair, former UK Prime Minister and... Member of the Fabian Society, and, uh, Wolf uh, in uh, Sheep's Clothing Iraqi, Society. Iraqi bomber said, Allowing international travel to resume safely means we must take all possible steps to limit the spread of new COVID-19 variants. We urgently require an internationally recognized system of health passes, enabling travelers to quickly and easily prove their health status in a secure and privacy-preserving way. The Good Health Pass Collaborative is doing vital work to develop the standards necessary to support this. Political leaders should now get behind this. The G20 group of nations should commit to establish a network of globally interoperable health passes and set up the working groups needed to deliver it. So, you this better. This is a short story idea. Yeah, it could be. I mean, <laughs> what 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 
it, what do they believe is good health? Is it just the absence of a positive COVID-19 test or does your mental health play into effect? Did you watch a video on YouTube that, well, here's an example, a real life example. Kyrie Irving is a basketball player. Kyrie Irving has made headlines in the past. He famously refused the vaccine and sat out for a bunch of NBA games. He recently tweeted about a film. I don't know the name of the film. I've only sort of paid attention to this, but apparently the film is anti-Semitic. So now because- What does anti-Semitic mean? Well, it can mean anything. It means if you say the word Jew in an unfavorable light, right? Right. And I, again, I don't know anything about this film. You know where the word Semitic comes from? Kind of, yeah. This is a word they stole. Now, they will probably get canceled for me saying this, but just because you're uh, not Jewish doesn't mean you're not Semitic. Semitic stems from uh, Shem, the son of uh, Noah, right? From the Bible. The idea is that those descended from Shem are Shemites or Semites. And so if you are of a different house other than the Jews, you're, sh- you're still Shemitic or Semitic. Okay. They've, this is one of those areas where they've stolen it, the stolen the world, you know, and anti, anti-Semitic technically means saying something that's not favorable to the Jews, but that's not, or that, that's what it means, but that's not technically correct relative to the etymology of the word. So it's not really cool. The, they have taken this uh, badge of honor to themselves when other, uh, there are other people out there that have been oppressed or, or persecuted. And... Right. It's just not cool that they're the only ones that get to have mileage out of that, you know? Well, Kyrie Irving tweeted about he touched the electric some fence. film and so now he is having to uh, he's having to pay money, he's losing you know, he's pay money to uh, anti AD, the ADL. Anti-hate groups. He's uh, he might have been suspended, he's losing endorsement deals. Anti-hate means anti-free speech, by And the way. I just wonder if if we had had something like the good health pass, he could have been red flagged and not had the pass to begin with. And then we could have cut off his access to social media and then he wouldn't have. Because he never was anything. vaccinated. Well, right. He wasn't vaccinated, which clearly is a sign of poor mental health. What if we want the listeners to write happy stories? They can want happy certainly stories? do that. Use of a good health pass should be voluntary and, con- and consent-based. Those who do wish to use one should have a choice between a range of available solutions and using them on a mobile device, a secure physical form, or both. Yes, they're consent-based as long as you don't leave your house. This is remarkable stuff. Yeah, this, this, yeah. Um, you know, the language they use. I'm almost sorry that I put you onto this, man. You're totally <laughs> blackpilling all of us. Let's, it's the most ridiculous uh, pseudo-marketing gobbledygook that I've heard in a long time. Yeah, and it is. And, it, it, and normally you could just laugh, laugh it off, but these people have tremendous influence and power. Right, right. They have power over your institutions and your it's, governments. It's and Dolores your- Umbridge writ large. She has become in charge of everything. I must not tell lies. 
Right. Well, should we wrap this thing up? Um, sure. Why not? I want I want you to get, come up with a good, a couple of good ideas for people. Come on. For short stories, for short well, stories. I, I don't want to give away good ideas. Well, you don't have to give them your best ideas. Well, give they, them an idea. They need to have their own ideas. But here's here's an idea. Hold on a second. Okay, here I'm remembering in the movie Elf when uh, the dwarf guy comes in to give ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. H- how about a tomato? Well, Get, picture this: a tomato. It's a very uh, headstrong tomato. You know, tomatoes are right out. What you yeah. want is cabbages and carrots. We open on the farm, and there's a peach. Nah, peaches are too vulnerable. Kids are vulnerable enough as it is. Yeah, that's what he says. You're right. There's an asparagus, and he's insecure about the smell of his pee. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what it says. It does. It. it does? Yes. In Elf? Yes. Oh. That's one of them. Oh, I that's think. funny. Well, there's a couple of ideas for you. You could do, uh, you could do vegetables. Here's an idea. Here's an idea. I'm just spitballing here. I'm making this up as I go. You start with your main character, who is a middle school-aged person, and he is standing at the doorway of his school. It's his first day in middle school, and he's about to walk in to the hallways for the first time, and he's wearing a Superman costume. Go. <laughs> now, we had originally said that there needs to be a theme of reunion. Are we standing by that? Oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't listen to the whole podcast. There was a, supposed to be a theme about reunion. Yeah, we can we can change the rules. There are rules. We are a private podcast. We can do you do still like want. having a theme? I mean, I think we should just ask for short stories. We can because, just ask. Because it's hard enough as it is. To come up with ideas. Okay. Uh, so okay. no theme? There is no theme? You're, you're agreeing on that? That's fine. What if somebody's already written most of their story and the theme is reunion? That's fine. What if they're upset about us changing the rules right now? You can write us a sternly worded letter. Okay. So there, is no, there are no real guidelines as to what the theme or general message of your story is right and we probably need to bribe these listeners with something more than feelings maybe another t-shirt i'm offering um a a private dinner with you and bobby flood okay you will get to you bobby flood will take you out to dinner if you win (laughs) we uh i may or may not be able to attend but you will get to meet bobby flood in person i will not pay transportation costs okay and if i'm buying dinner i get to choose where we go okay but and what you eat dinner with bobby flood grand prize (laughs) grand prize grand prize not guaranteed (laughs) uh Family members, direct relationships of uh, the owners and operators of the Mind Virus podcast are excluded from all prices. That eliminates a lot of of listeners. (laughs) All the listeners. (laughs) Well, do write a story. I think I think it'd be really fun to to have a couple episodes where we read these. Maybe even just stand alone. Maybe we dramatize them and act them out. We'd have to just do the radio acting, you know, the foley, the yeah, the, the sound effects. I don't want to get dressed up for this. <laughs> We're not going to make films out of these yeah. short stories. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, you lose the copyright too. If you submit this, we get the copyright. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can you can retain your copyright until they are swallowed up into the Good Health Pass Digital ID Copyright Act of 2023. Yeah, yeah, we can't we can't control what the government's doing. Well, anyway, okay. Well, okay. On that note. Write your story. Inter- interesting, interesting story today. Interesting narrative. The it's another black pill episode of the Mind Virus <laughs> Show. We thank you for listening, and would love to hear what's on your mind. If you uh, would like to comment on our website, we I enjoy those comments. Sometimes we get a little bit of a discussion going, and sometimes we don't. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. And that's what we do here is we tell the truth because we must not tell lies. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We are the Mind Virus Show. I'm Bobby Flood. That's Jordan Bruno. And we are signing off.